0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message from our series, All Fired Up. Let's join in now. Well, we're in the series, Fired Up, and today's message is a real upper. The title is Do More With Less, right? That sounds like a lot of fun already. Now, I know that uh, when you come to Christ, you feel like a weightlifter. Uh, you, You feel like, wow, I should be able to just lift The heaviest weights above my head because I've come to Christ, Uh, but you often uh, realize after you come to Christ that you're really not that strong. Even though you have faith in Christ, you have the power of God, it's not really us who's the strong one. We feel a lot like this right here. Uh, We feel like this hamster. Do we have the hamster? Yes. Uh, we, We find out that really we're not that strong. And it's the power of God. It's the grace of God that's been holding us up. Can I get an amen in here today? Uh, It is the grace of God that's been holding us up. But do you know, one of the biggest principles in the Bible is God often calls, he often calls his people to do more with less. If you think back, David was supposed to slay a giant. God had asked him to go kill Goliath. And King Saul tried to put the armor on, right? Right? And it Tried to suit him up, real, real strong and mighty to go fight, but God said do more with less, and he slayed a giant with five smooth stones in his pouch, right? Uh, think about Peter, right? Peter, asked, Peter was asked by Jesus to get out of the boat, to stand up, which was our first message, right, that somebody has to stand up. For Christ and begin taking a stand for what God wants in this world, uh, even though the flow goes against us. But Peter had to stand up, but he had to do more with less. God asked Peter to get on the water without a boat and to walk. And then, if you think about this concept carried a little bit further, doing more with less in the Bible, in the scriptures, Jesus did more with less. How many of us were supposed to pay for our sin? All of us. We should have been on the cross. But the idea of atonement and substitutionary atonement, if you want a big Bible word to go research, propitiation, that that carries with it the idea that he took our place. We see that Jesus did more with less. One man died on the cross, the God-man Jesus Christ. And that less did more than we could ever hope for who's happy and who is joyful about the less that God used for salvation that's it yeah we can clap hey you might have noticed around here we can clap around this place if it's happy if it's happy you can you can laugh if it's sad you can cry if it's boring don't snore right <laughs> but here's what i want you to know the first week we talked about standing up Somebody had to stand up. We looked at the judge, Ehud. He's the guy that shoved the sword into the belly of the king holding Israel hostage. We also looked last week at Deborah. And while we have to stand up, we learned last week that we have to help people up. Because Deborah didn't get the glory. She she wasn't the one in the scriptures in Hebrews 11 who uh, was noted in the hall of faith. But yet she was the reason Israel claimed a victory. By helping other people. But today... We have to understand this statement. It's your first blank. And by the way, if you're taking notes, you can flip over the program you received when you walked in today and write these down. And oftentimes, if you'll write them on paper, you can study them through the week and God will impress them and stamp them on your heart. Here's what it says When I stand up for God, God calls me to step out for Him. He calls me to step out for Him. Can I tell, tell you, most believers never get out of the boat. They never pick up the five smooth stones. They want the armor, right? They want the, the, the boat to go to shore to meet Jesus. They want to pay their own penalty instead of let the power of God work. But this is not who Gideon became. Now look in Judges chapter 7. And before... We read verses 1 through 8. Everybody check the screen out very quickly. I want to put this in context. I talked about this the first week, but I want to drill it home. Do you know, uh, many times we know that the point of a message is, hey, you want it to hit home. You want to be able to take it home. But can I tell you, the more biblical knowledge you add uh, up here, little by little as you work out your faith, um, it stores up. And God does something special over the years. If you will commit to learn not only what the Bible says, Uh, does for you, but also if you'll commit just to learn the Bible. And so looking at the book of Judges, it occurs, just a simple fact, um, you see Moses over at 1500 BC, you see the death of Joshua at 1375, B.C. And this is where Israel went from wandering in the land of Egypt and crossed over into the promised land, right? After 40 years in the desert. And here we start the book of Judges because uh, like the end of Judges says in chapter 21, uh, it says that there was no king in Israel in these days and everyone did right in their own eyes. So God would raise up someone who would get fired up for the things of God. And so we see the period of the Judges lasted all the way from the death of Joshua until Saul was crowned king, right? Uh, Right around 1050 BC, these are generalities. And then you see King David. Uh, David becomes king at 1000 BC. This is when the judges... Are occurring. Now, remember, the judges are not happening chronologically. Uh, it is not one judge and then another period of years and another judge. These were happening all over the nation of Israel, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, and they quite possibly and quite probably were overlapping each other in time. And it's important to know because over in Acts, you see some um, years that Paul mentions and uh, it, they do not conflict with the book of Judges in this time period, but the the time periods were overlapping and so the Bible still remains true. All right, let's look at Judges chapter seven and pick up the story of Gideon. Gideon has a prayer to God where he has his famous fleece, but that's not where we're zeroing in today, where he kept asking God for signs uh, that, and wonders so that he could know God was speaking. How many of you have ever asked for a sign? God, just show me a sign. Throw me a bone, God. Well, Gideon just got done with this, and God threw him a bone and answered his prayer, and it wasn't quite what he thought. Anybody else ever had a time where you asked God for something, and you went, ooh, I wish I didn't ask for that one, right? Well, this is what's going on with Gideon. And so in this prayer, God confirms in Gideon's heart, after a struggle in his faith, that he is supposed to take an army of 32,000 Israelites to go and fight some 350,000 Moabites. Pretty big deal, huh? And so here's what happens when he finally leaves his knees off the prayer ground. Remember, we pray, but then we have to go perspire, right? And here's what happens in chapter 7, verse 1 of Judges. Then Jerubbabel, another name for Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Midianites, I said Moabites earlier, I'm sorry, I meant Midianites. Was on the north side of them by the hill of Murah in the valley. Here's where it gets real interesting, listen. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me. To give to the Midianites into their hands. (laughs) Can you imagine this conversation with God? You're already outnumbered about 10 to 1, and I think you have too many people for this to go down. That's what's happening. It says, Lest Israel claim the glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, Let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Now, can you imagine? God says, Gideon, go let the people who are truly scared of war, let them walk. Let them walk. You're going to get fired up about this. I'm going to do a great work. Let these people walk. Gideon's probably going, you know, I don't even have the whole nation of Israel. Only 32,000. Hey, what if I lose 10%? Wouldn't that be reasonable? You walk out from that conversation. Listen to what happens. Gideon says, If you're afraid of war, you can go home. And the scriptures in verse 3 say, And 22,000 of the people returned home, and 10,000 remained. Gideon was about to have to do more with less. Verse 4 But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. That's a what you talking about, Willis moment with God. They're still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps water with his tongue, when they're thirsty, if they see See the water, the body of water. And they put their tongue in it, their face, to try to drink. As a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And you can see Gideon going, oh, no, oh, no. Please, people, do this next thing. He says, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to the mouth, was 300 men. But all of the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Gideon started with 32,000. He's down to 300. If you're, uh, for you math people, you math wizards, which I'm not one, I had to study this. He is down to a ratio, fighting Midian, of one to 400. He has one soldier for about every 400 soldiers of Midian because they all got down to drink the water. Look at verse seven. Then the Lord said, who said it? The Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel. What an act of obedience! Can you imagine? He sent the rest of Israel away, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, we've been following judges. Typically, when a judge obeys God, what ends up happening? Israel goes and kicks some serious butt. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't have to read too much further. What ends up happening is that uh, Gideon becomes the leader of Israel they subdue Midian and they have peace in the land. Remember, they always take on their own pleasure at first and spend a certain amount of years. Uh, And then afterward, they usually spend up to double the time of peace instead of their personal pleasure and sin. They have God's peace for double the time when someone stands up and gets fired up for Jesus. Now, Here's what we have to know about doing more with less and being fired up. My heart, I know God's heart for Elevation Church is for every person in Christ to be a fired up Christian. Did you hear that? Every person to be a fired up Christian. Remember how we talked about if if God set uh, 12 guys on fire called the apostles and it changed the world, surely if he set 250 people on fire at Elevation Church, it would change Billings. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, we have to learn how to get fired up and how to do more with less. Do you know what? We're a church plant. Uh, We're two years old almost, just a little older. We've had to learn how to do more with less. Can I tell you, when we took the first step to get in this building, the first day I stood in front of the church and said, Hey, we believe this is where God is taking Elevation Church. You know how many dollars were in Elevation Church's bank account? $3,000. Do you know how many dollars we needed? $100,000 minimum just to sit how you're sitting right now with uh, occasional lack of air conditioning, uh, you know, with a parking lot that needs to be redone. Hey, trust me, we see it, but here's what God has called us to do. It's clear as a church to do more with how much? With less. You know what? The church is the people anyway, isn't it? It's the people anyway. And so fired up people, here's what they do not do. They do not retreat at a lack of resource. They do not retreat at a lack of resource. They don't look at the odds and go, God, there's no way you could be calling me to obey you because the odds are one to 400. Fired up people say, that's perfect. Why? Why do they say it's perfect? Because my shortcoming, catch this, this is important. Your shortcoming is God's greatest opportunity in your life. The places where you don't think you have enough to get it done God's way, that is exactly the area where God will show up if you'll stop doing it on your own power, if you'll stop looking at the numbers and start trusting your Savior. Do you get what I'm saying? Here's another thing you need to know. There is power in God's pruning of my life. There is power in God's pruning of my life. What did God do to Gideon's army? He, little by little, systematically, took it down to where Gideon had no choice but to look at God and say, wow, you have to show up or this is an utter failure. Have you ever had a moment like that with God? If not, you cannot count yourself a fired up person for Jesus Christ. Fired up people live by faith. All the time. The church didn't expand from people looking at the numbers, pulling out spreadsheets. The early church didn't go, hey, I wonder if there's enough seats, if there's enough parking. You know what they said? They said, God, we need your power. We need your strength. And we need you. Or we're totally toast. We are done for. And here's why there is power. God's power in the pruning. Because here is an important statement. That pruning cures pride. Pride. What was, what was God cutting off when he cut off the army? He was cutting off the mightiest men. He was cutting off the numbers. He was cutting off the odds. He was cutting off everything that would make Gideon or Israel say, I have enough to do this myself. I don't need you, God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Pruning cures pride. Can I give you two reasons why God prunes our life. These aren't on the screen, but you may want to write them down. Number one, God prunes to ensure his glory. He prunes us to ensure his glory. You may feel like God's cutting things out of your life that you never thought could be cut out. You might, they, it might be heart-wrenching, where you feel like your whole entire heart is being pulled out of your chest. It might be a marriage falling apart. It may be a kid walking away. It might be a, a business venture going south. It may be a friendship you've had for a long time that doesn't exist anymore, and it's being pruned. It's being ripped away from you. God wants to ensure his glory. That's why he allows pruning. Whether he does it or he allows it, that's why it happens. So he gets the glory. Here's the second reason. So that you and I see our need for God. So that you and I see our need for God. Um, Let me ask you a question. If you think through your schedule, think through it. How many times during the week do you need God to show up in your schedule? How many times? When's the last time you needed God to show up or you were toast? It might be. It might be that God's calling you to help someone financially. And you say, nope, I can't do that. doesn't work, God. That's not it. Uh, nope, sorry, not now. You don't know what you're doing. Um, Let's just move on from there. It might be that you have to go back and apologize in a relationship that's been at a standoff for a long time. And you say, God, no, 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 can't do that. Um, I got this on my own. I know how to handle it. I'm not going to go back and forgive. I'm just not going to do it. But yet, God, I want you to forgive me. Listen to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23. This was at the end of the parable of the three servants. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this, say this word with me. What is it? This small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But when we come to Christ, we want God to. We want God to give us the more so we can do more. And that's not how God works. It's not his economy. Let me give you a few examples. You might be living together, and God is starting to prune and press on your relationship, and you're wondering, hey, how do I do this? How how do I obey God if he wants me to have a merit, be it be married before I consummate my relationship or maybe you've already started and you want to honor God and separate from that until you're married you may be going God how do we prune this thing it doesn't work money wise well do you know what God wants you to do more obedience with less resource he wants to see your heart do you see when you do more with less what shows to God it shows your heart for him do you believe that God will always catch you when you fall I believe he will, but we have to start living like we believe it. Can I tell you today, there are many new believers, people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ in this room and all over the churches and billings who have stood up for Christ like Ehud, right? Somebody stood up and then they've tried to step out. They realize how hard it is, how much resource they're lacking, and they sit back down. Well, it's time to start stepping out and grow in your faith, to take your next steps. Can I tell you, there are people who have been hurt by church before, who who say, you know what, I can't help the kingdom of God move forward anymore because it hurts so bad. Today, Jesus is saying, step out, do more with less. You may have less trust in the church, well, good, put more hope in God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Put more hope in God. Today is the day to step back out with your less because God can do more. Here's your next uh, point. Fired up people advance at the word of God. So we do not retreat at a lack of resource. But what do we do? Fired up people advance at the word of God, not at a wealth of resource. People may ask, why are we going to two services? Because we're going to do more with less. You you see what I'm saying? We're going to do more with less. What, What can we do? We can offer more times. We're going to do it. So here is what Gideon did. Gideon got done with this prayer. We didn't get to read it with the fleece, right? He's talking to God. He's like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And he said, yes, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure. Get out there and do it. And then once he did it, He said, now go with your 300 people. And what I love about Gideon, even though he is much like us, where he struggled. You know why he asked God three times? Because he didn't want to do it. He didn't have the faith to obey God, to get fired up about the things uh, of his kingdom, about spiritual things. And so uh, Gideon, he struggled. But when God said go with 300 men, what did he do? He went right away. He didn't ask questions. He didn't say, God, this is too hard. He didn't say, God, I can't obey. God, why don't you let me obey next year? God, why don't you let me walk with you three months from now? Hey, God, just wait until my parents come in, and then uh, I'll deal with them. I won't make a phone call. Hey, God, why, why don't you... Uh, why don't you just let me um, have sex just a little longer with this girl because uh, it's a lot of fun. And then when that gets old, then I'll start obeying. No, what did Gideon do? He went now. He went now. That's what he did. You see, uh, we won't do things at God's word because we don't see clear. Uh, in other words, you know, there might be somebody in the room considering an abortion. And you're saying, How on earth can I keep this baby? I don't have the resource. I don't have enough. It's my less. I don't know how I'm going to get money. I don't know what my parents uh, are going to say. I don't know what my boyfriend's going to say. I don't know, God, how I'm going to deal with this baby that I did not want. I wanted the fun, but I didn't want the family. And, And now I don't know what to do. And God says, why don't you keep the baby and let me do more with your less? Because Zechariah 4.6, it's not on the screen, but it's a great scripture. You may want to write it down. Zechariah 4.6, not Zephaniah, but Zechariah. It says, not by might nor by power. If you know it, say it with me. But by my spirit, says the Lord. We move at the word of God. And so what do we have to do? We have to get in position to listen and stop looking around for the answer. What does God want you to do as a fired-up believer? He wants you to listen to him. Now, this isn't one of those instances, like I said last week, where we get last night's pizza. God, what do you want me to do? Oh, I feel like he wants me to do this. Hey, do you know how you know the word of God, how he's speaking? If you read the word of God, you will hear God speak to you. Can I get an amen? You will hear God speak to you. But we like to get into position to look. How many of you have played Marco Polo before in the water? Now, I have a confession to make as your pastor. I have cheated in Marco Polo every single time I've ever played it in my whole life. (laughs) Do you know why I've cheated at Marco Polo? Do you know why? It's because there ain't no way you're catching somebody your size, your speed, with your eyes closed in a pool. You know what I'm saying? You're just not doing it. And so I confess that when I hear, when I say Marco and someone says Polo, uh, I I realized very early on in life that God blessed me with long eyelashes. And uh, that means that I can kind of open my eyes and see through them. Maybe that's why he blinded me in one eye. I don't know. Maybe he's punishing me for Marco Polo. I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. I like to look. I don't like to listen. But the game... It's supposed to be played with someone who listens. And your faith, we like to look, but our faith is meant to be lived out by listening, by getting alone with God, by listening to his word and then trusting that God knows best, that he sees even when you don't because we know that faith is believing without what? Seeing without seeing. That's right. You see, the kind of wisdom we depend on is shown by what moves us into obedience. Listen, uh, I'll explain this very quickly. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Verse 7 says, Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, but shun or run away from evil. You see, fired up people do more with less. They don't retreat at a lack of resource, but move forward with the word of God. But move forward with the word of God. And can I tell you, if you're moving forward at a wealth of resource, until all the numbers add up in your life with obeying God and his word, it's saying that you are trusting on your own wisdom. But when you move forward in faith, You are using the wisdom of God. And is there any greater wisdom in this life than that? Let me ask you a question. This is a very personal question. You're going to have to think about it. For those of you who have come to Christ, where have you stood up for God? Stepped out, taken a baby step, your next step, and then jumped back in the boat, and you've been stagnant in an area of your life for a long time. I don't know it, but you and God do. Where have you lacked fire for God in your life? Where has it happened? I want you to write it down. And this week, I want you to pray and ask God, God, would you fire me back up to advance your kingdom in this area? You see, this whole deal is a matter of faith. And here's your final point. Like Gideon, fired up people understand that faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Listen to Hebrews 11. Verses 39 and 40. Remember last week we read Hebrews 11? It's called the Hall of Faith in many circles. And Barak was in the Hall of Faith and not Deborah because she helped him get there. Well, Gideon is the next name mentioned in Hebrews 11. But listen to what it says about everyone in the Hall of Faith. It doesn't matter if it's Rahab or uh, if it's Mary, or if it's other people in the Bible, this is what Hebrews 11 says about faith. Check this out. It's on the screen or in your program. All these people, including Gideon, right here, who took on an army with 300 people on a 1 to 400 ratio and won, all these people earned a good reputation because of their what? Faith. This is important to note. Yet none. How many? None, that means zero, zilch, not a single one of them mentioned in Hebrews 11. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection or heaven or eternity without who? Us. The biggest reason why we can't get fired up and do more with less as we start to add it up and go, God, I don't know if I can really get fired up about you. I don't know if I can have regular worship sins. I don't know if I can go through this hard trial of divorce or hard hard situation in my life or this abortion or whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if I can like myself enough to not, not go through a suicide. But God is saying, you don't see the end picture. In fact, you have the wrong end game in mind. These people in Hebrews... Do you know what their end game was? It was that Jesus Christ would come and that he would die on the cross for the sin of mankind. Their hope was that God would provide a savior for their sin. That was the end game. That's why they did more with less. That's why they went out at all odds because they weren't, Gideon wasn't worried if he was going to win the battle. He realized that that was an earthly battle. Why could he move forward? Because he had the faith to recognize he needed a spiritual battle and a spiritual victory. And who was going to provide that victory? God. God was going to provide it for Gideon. And so one of the greatest reasons we fail to trust God with less is we have the wrong end goal. We go along so we can get earthly things. God, if you provide me a house, then I'll tithe. Then I'll do more with less. God, if you give me a raise, well, then I may help my neighbor who I see in need. I may go down and give a homeless guy a meal, but I need a raise first, God. I'm not gonna obey you until that happens. Hey, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll make Sundays a priority, God, once you move uh, the Broncos games all to afternoon. Does that make sense? But that's not what God is calling because God will do more with less at the second coming of Christ. He will do more with less at the second coming of Christ. Here's the good news today as we close. Do you know that every failure in this life, every hardship you have, everything that keeps you from getting fired up about the things of God will all be made right at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great thing today? And that is our faith. Faith is the victory even through the trials of this life. And it's why we can move forward even though we don't feel like we have enough, we can move forward obeying Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great truth today? That is a great truth. And so as we come to a time of response, I want to talk to the folks in the room today who maybe don't know Jesus Christ. And so I'd ask that every head be bowed Every eye closed. Today, maybe you need to see more happen with less because you need less of yourself and more of Jesus Christ. In fact, maybe you need none of yourself and you need to put your entire life at the feet of Jesus and understand how to live a life fired up for him. And today you need to make this day, the very first day that you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and put your life in his hands. The Bible says his shed blood covers our sin. And if we will simply place our faith in him and trust him, he will do more with our less. Is there anybody like that today who would say, today I want to come to faith in Christ. I want to meet Jesus for the first time. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message. If you have any questions or you have made any decisions, email us nextsteps at elevationbuildings.com find out more about our church, visit elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.